welcome back podcast listeners <laughs> it's been a while hope you're uh having a wild time in 2020 still a wild but safe time yeah hope you're doing well mentally yeah. and physically yeah um <laughs> we got awkward we weren't even gone that long but know, now we don't know how to start a podcast well, today we're not talking about, tw- well, 2020. Well, kind of we are, but we're talking about mm. bugs because this is yeah. bugs and stuff. Um, ding, 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 bugs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, today we are going to be discussing the, I guess we didn't really talk about um, if you wanted to discuss anything else. Well, I have some endangered bugs to talk about. Okay. Or sorry, sorry, sorry. Extinct bugs. Spoiler okay. alert. Well, you, I was, you could cut this part out if you wanted to. <laughs> so, <laughs> so today we are going to talk about the American bearing beetle and some extinct bugs because there's some controversy around the American bearing beetle, which I think we've done an episode about before, haven't we? Um. I think we did like an endangered species episode. It might have been in there. Yeah. So I think we've definitely talked about it. So the American bearing beetle is an endangered, well, now it's threatened, um, an in- <laughs> beetle that is orange and black. And they are, they basically take um, carcasses and they bury them and they will lay their eggs in them and the babies will hide eat through the carcass and they're one of the few bugs that um practices parental care so they keep bringing the their babies carcasses to eat until they're fully grown the beetles live about a year and they're pretty cool but they're not doing super hot Um, wow aren't they kind of big too yeah i think they're like two like an inch and a half to two inches i think they're pretty large that's pretty big for a beetle yeah. What a bunch of good moms and dads. Mm-hmm. I wonder Their son has a roadkill. <laughs> I bet they fly really wonkily. Yeah, they probably don't fly well. Beetles are just like bad flyers to begin with. They're all like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, the only beetle I can think of off the top of my head that I see flying regularly is those like June bugs. Mm, Do you know? pretty big, yeah. Yeah, those are big boys. Well, ladybugs. I always see ladybugs. Oh, that's in. true. But they're still I not great forget. at it. I feel like I they bonk into things there. all the time. A beetle. Mm-hmm. I um, looked up the June bug to find its real name, and apparently it's just the green June beetle. But I've never seen them look green. Yeah, they're always kind of brown to me. Hmm. Well, I think my Googles are just lying. Anyways. Anyway, these back are to the bearing the beetle. beetle is pretty large. And it was it's been going endangered for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was originally found in 35 states about a hundred years ago, but now only four populations are found in or in 1989, only a few populations were found in Oklahoma and Rhode Island. And now there is about they're in more states now, which is why they have been recently delisted as endangered and down or downlisted, sorry, to um, threatened. But um, 
Nobody really knows. The interesting thing is nobody really knows why they are going extinct. They think it's like a combination of factors, but they don't really know why it's been so long that they've been slowly going extinct. So they think it could be a um, combination of climate change, habitat loss, changes in the number of like dead animals available. Pesticides could also be an issue. Although interestingly, the numbers were already declining before DDT was being used. So... Mm. um, It's not only pesticides. Uh, And then there's an interesting thing that I found that passenger pigeons may may have been a significant food source. And as you know, the passenger pigeon is no longer with us. Um, (laughs) So that could have been another food source and a reason why they're going extinct. I don't know. That one seems kind of... Like a weak argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's so only as one well. bird. I mean, I know passenger it, pigeons were quite like populous, but I don't think it it can't be the only reason. And I'm sure yeah. it's like most things where it's a many different reasons. Yeah, I feel like logically they should be doing maybe even better because of roadkill. Mm-hmm. But they're not. Yeah, I don't know if their populations just don't do well around roads or... I mean, I'm sure it takes a lot to move a carcass. If they're trying to move across a road, that could be bad news. Mm -hmm. I think they also have a pretty, like, funny, like, taste in how large their carcasses should be. So there's, like, a sweet spot and then (laughs) it's like, oh, things are too big or too small to hatch babies because they will, like, just eat certain parts of the carcass like if it's too small they'll just eat it and then it has to be like the right size to for them to want to like lay their eggs in it yeah i i had just pulled up a fish and wildlife website Mm -hmm. for ohio because i was like i'm pretty sure that i've heard of these being in ohio Mm -hmm. um and it says that they need carrion the size of a dove or chipmunk in order to reproduce which I guess would make sense why the pigeon, mm-hmm. the passenger pigeon, really hurt them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they were eating mostly dove-sized creatures, or not eating them, but mm-hmm. using them to lay yeah. their eggs. Yeah. Because I was also thinking there must be, like, a ton of mice. <laughs> right, right. Like, there are mice everywhere, and they're only more pro- prolific with humans, but I don't think mice are big enough. Right. They would maybe be, like, a... A snack. A snack, yeah, a snack for the babies as opposed to something that's going to feed them with enough time to go get a new carcass and bring it back. Mm -hmm. That could be a thing, too. Maybe it's just taking longer for the the parents to get the food back. Mm -hmm. And I think that, again, this is a local uh, situation. They're, yeah, because this is how I first learned about the burying beetle. I remember someone from the Metro Park telling me that somewhere in the Oak Openings Metro Park, there's like a mound of dead things because they like will move the the, the roadkill and the stuff that dies on the trails Mm -hmm. to this one location, I guess. Mm -hmm. They were suggesting that we could look for burying beetles there. And I was like, I don't want to go to a carcass mound, (laughs) but I don't like I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I didn't not to say that my source is incredible, but <laughs> they're not that credible. 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of things that eat carcasses, so. Yeah. Um, But I do know that in Rhode Island, they have, like, a protected group of them, which I think in Rhode Island, they, they've been mostly introduced there because they want to protect the species. So they're on Block Island. Um, mm. And the same thing is on... Um, I think it's in there is also a population in Massachusetts on an island and they have to feed them there. (laughs) So they have to like give them carcasses. They they would not survive in those areas if they did not because there's just not enough carcasses on the island to keep them. I, I wonder if just like the decline of populations in general might be a contributing like a big contributing factor then to their extinction. Because while there are tons of chipmunks out there, there's not nearly as much as there used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. That's completely possible. And if they're eating, if they need that, that's like a very specific range of body sizes that they need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... So Tell me the other part of this story. um, So recently they were downlisted. The Trump administration... Um, basically move them down from endangered to threatened. Um, so they claim that there have been an increase in numbers when it was listed again. It w- they were only found in Oklahoma and, and Rhode Island, but now they are found in Nebraska and Arkansas. And there's, I think there's one other state that they were found in. Um, and Massachusetts, obviously, and Rhode Island are kind of these weird protected groups of them. <laughs> That are, like, basically being raised by scientists. Um, Mm. And so they have been downlisted because now they're deemed as better off. But it was really weird when when I was reading it. I read, like, the whole U.S. Fish and Wildlife thing that basically talks about why they are being down delisted off the endangered species and like it makes no sense um so first you should know that the independent petroleum association which is a right-wing think tank um and is very critical of the endangered species act as a whole um started the investigation they were like hey the american bearing beetle how's it doing (laughs) And so, of course, then they had to look into, like, how is the American bearing beetle doing? And it's really difficult to find, like, how many there are because they only live a year. So their populations can change pretty drastically between years. Um, Mm -hmm. In their recovery plan, it's stated that they must have at least three populations with 500 individuals. I could not find whether they have achieved that at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, at some point, they decided that that's not a viable size anyway (laughs) in population. Like, 500 is not enough individuals to be, like, a stable stable population. Yeah. Yeah. And so I read through this entire thing. And I should say there was, like, there were, like, a number of people who are very critical of this um, delisting. And they including the the scientists in Rhode Island who are like, we are not removing, like, we're not letting anybody mess with this population of beetles. Like, they will be in Rhode Island. Um, That's horrible. I'm sure that they are taking care of via a grant. 
um, Mm -hmm. or a zoo who's taking care of them um, with funding. So they were like, we don't, this like shouldn't, they were very critical of this. Um, And then I read through this whole fish and wildlife thing and they were basically (laughs) it was so weird carrie they were like basically like well these beetles they are their their numbers are are back up because there we found these other populations but um they're dying (laughs) because of like climate change so basically in all of their areas the southern part of their range they can't they've can't live when it's over 95 degrees so Mm -hmm. they've been dying out in their southern range part of their range which is also where most of the public land is (laughs) where they're like protected potentially um and the northern part of their range is other than like massachusetts and rhode island is where like a lot of the private land is which is where people want to do things like they want to do things on their private land Um, right and so they were like oh they're dying because of climate change and like habitat loss and all these things and they're probably going to become extinct they're like threatened to be extinct but because they have these extra um they have these populations right now we are um listing them as threatened instead of endangered (laughs) it was so weird it sounds like they wanted to call them a lost cause without using the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's really telling that they chose to do this on a beetle instead of like a mammal or a mm-hmm. bird. Yeah, I think I think that is completely right. I have like a I took a like a a quote from this so I could read it if you want it. So (laughs) this is a quote from that giant piece that I read from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife. And it says, due to the improved condition of the species status since the time of listing and the increase increasing threats from from increasing temperatures and land use changes, we find that the American bearing beetle is not currently endangered of extinction, but is likely to become endangered within the foreseeable future throughout all of its range. Because we <laughs> American bearing beetle meets the definition of threatened under the act, we propose reclassifying it from endangered to threatened. So that is basically <laughs> saying we're going to classify it as threatened, but it's probably going to become endangered. Right, like, we're, we're going to change the classification so we can do whatever we want with this lab, and then we can reclassify it afterwards. hmm yeah. Or this land. I think I said lab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, they're, like, it's going to, basically this whole thing was, like, they're going to become endangered again. They're not, like, at a point, which, to my mind, means that they should not, like, they are not at a place where they're okay. Right. Which is what the administration is claiming and the Independent Petroleum Association. They're like, oh, we did like such a great job. We got these (laughs) off the endangered species list. It's like, yeah, but like you kind of fudged it. (laughs) Yeah. Like pat on the back. Good for us. No. Yeah. Bad science. Bad move. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah. So it was really... 
interesting reading that whole piece and it was actually pretty easy to understand that whole piece so like anybody could read it um but yeah it was crazy (laughs) I was just like what this makes no sense but I think you're right I think they view it as like a lost cause and it's a beetle so people are like who cares about a beetle right because if they would have done this for i don't know what else is endangered the gray wolf i don't know if they're still endangered but like for argument's sake if they would have done that for a wolf people would have been so upset mm-hmm. yeah or yeah it's i think it's just because it's this small thing but the really annoying part and the thing that we have to think about whenever we delist something is that that animal was protecting lots of other things in that area um and what they call an umbrella species Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so that because like for instance the panda Mm, god my favorite example of an umbrella species (laughs) they have like because people love pandas And they've done such a great job protecting them. They've also done a great job protecting all of the other animals that are in that area. So. Right. Because they have to protect the habitat for the panda, Mm -hmm. which means everything else that lives there is is safe. Yeah. But (sighs) that won't happen anymore now that the bearing beetle is taken off the endangered list. Because now they can do, now they can basically... A lot of the sources I was seeing was like, oh, this is like a win for gas and oil companies. Yeah, of course. Because they want to drill and like development in these areas. So. Well, that's disheartening. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. I mean, obviously this this beetle is responsible for recycling nutrients mm-hmm. because they're breaking down these dead things in the forest. So... I mean, what will happen if they leave? Like, do you think that the impact of them going extinct would be enough for people to go like, oops, we shouldn't have done that? <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. If there's really not as many carcasses as there were in the past, it might be harder to see the effect I mean, I think it's really hard to tell what they're going to do to the plant species, like, because if people hate beetles, they also, like, are equally as blind to plants, um, if not more. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. So that was a very interesting thing. There was also a lot of interesting comments about how it's harder to manage for invasive plants in some of these areas where the beetle is, was being protected because you can't burn as much true burning is a big way to prevent invasive plant species um or manage them so that was one thing that i think is just um something that we'll have to balance in all cases you right um have to just balance your management styles um and decide what's best for the area but I think about, like, for instance, like, when worms are introduced to a forest, mm-hmm. like, you see a big change in tree species and tree um, succession. So I think you might not know what the effects are until they're gone. 
And even then, people might not realize that it's a problem. Yeah. Well, and actually, if they're going to be developing those areas and taking out the forests anyway, it might not even matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like degrading it with gas and oil right. companies. Um, yeah. I think like the biggest thing is once you take them off that the endangered species list, you open up that area to be developed. And um that's bad for other species and for like water quality right which i think people forget about like once you develop an area like the water quality goes down and the air quality the air quality and guess who has to drink the water and breathe the air that's us so <laughs> <laughs> and we'll definitely feel that um yeah so well, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, I'm I'm not like totally disheartened because I think there are um, populations that are being protected in places like Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Um, and so I don't think they will be lost, but some of their functional, their function yeah. will definitely be lost for right. a while. Um, um, what... What are those beetles called that people get to like make make skeletons? Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um they're not the same ones, right? I don't think so. I think like the bearing beetle is in like a big group of beetles that eat dead stuff. Hmm. Cuz there's like a there are quite a few different types of carrion beetles, too. Yeah. They don't necessarily like take care of their young or like berry stuff but they eat dead stuff but the bearing beetle does and that's what makes it special mm-hmm. yeah hmm. you want to hear some more sad stuff yeah let's bring bring it on <laughs> 2020 you know <laughs> all right all right all right so here is a fact for you this is a fact from 2007 so i imagine it has changed since then But the IUCN says that 59 species of insects have been known to have vanished in our modern time, Um, which is, I I think that's an interesting number because we still haven't identified all of the insects. Oh, yeah. I think that's probably a gross understatement. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I absolutely agree. Like, I can't even make, I can't believe they made a claim like that. The IUCN. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, you have to think about all the uncharismatic teeny tinies. Right. And it's interesting. These um, sites that I pulled up with um, endangered, or not, sorry, extinct insects, they're not all, like, really uncharismatic. There's a lot of butterflies on this list. Like, the Xerxes blue butterfly it was um, seems seemingly uh, very specific to the sand dunes of San Francisco Bay. Mm-hmm. And they developed a bunch of houses there. And it hasn't been seen. Um, hold on, I have a date. It hasn't been seen since the 1940s. These poor little blue butterflies. I know. And I don't know that they were that little. It looks like a carner blue. <laughs> Oh, does it? It does look like a color blue. I, it's hard to tell how big they are from Google images, but 
They look very similar. They do look very similar to the Carner Blue. <laughs> There's all these mm. blue butterflies. Yeah. Um, another one mm. that this, it seems like a lot from California based on this list, mm-hmm. but there's a, ooh, I'm going to butcher this word. It might be Atosa fritillary butterfly. It was abundant in the Calif- Southern California mountain ranges. Um, it was last seen in 1960 near the peak of a mountain, um, which is really interesting. It's, it's a very high altitude and presumably cold. That's very pretty. But, yeah, it kind of looks like a classic fritillary with that mm-hmm. spotted orange and brown mm-hmm. wings. Oh, this is like a little child's drawing and it's got a sad face. Oh, <laughs> that's Aww. devastating. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about them because I hate them, but there is a lot of grasshoppers on this list. Mm-hmm. Like, an excessive amount of grasshoppers. I mean, <laughs> they couldn't cut it, but it's very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another, I think this butterfly is supposed to be pretty big, mostly because it's in the name. Um, the Modernin Large White Butterfly. It's from... A uh, uh, off the coast of Portugal, like a like an island, last seen in the nineteen seventies. Um, oh, apparently, like it was like people people loved them and described them as like Moby Dick to Captain Ahab of this butterfly for lepidop- lepidopterists. When did they? Like, I stuff. wonder how many like were collected too much. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, too, because butterfly collections were a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if they go went extinct, like, a, long, a while ago. Like, they were probably yeah. collected by naturalists quite a bit. That's why you never collect yeah. from the wild. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a few moths on this list, too, but... Who cares about them? Um, The funny thing is, is that, you know, how how we were talking about things like it being an understatement. I always think about those dang little parasitoid wasps. And there's got to be at least one parasitoid moth for every single one of these. (laughs) There there was a a shortwave episode about that not too long ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, there there are a ton and ton and ton and ton of beetles out there. Um, and presumably each species has one or two specialist parasites. Mm-hmm. Which means there are even more parasitic wasps out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think and, you could like double that number at yeah. least. Because if you yeah. assume that at least most of them have a parasitoid for their larva, then... Yeah. Right. And I mean, if you think about it, too, for every one beetle that's going extinct then or one caterpillar, um, there's at least one, maybe two parasitic wasps that are going extinct because of that, too, Mm -hmm. because they're very specific most of the time. Yeah. So it's crazy. Interesting. I could read more on this list, but I think that those are pretty sad. Mm-hmm. and uh yeah it was pretty sad it's always sad when we lose a pollinator mm-hmm. and that's happening like crazy as well yeah bees man 
Bees are important. Yeah. Pollinators are important, especially for us because we, if you need a reason, <laughs> you eat food. <laughs> you want delicious fruits and veggies? Probably. Yeah. Nobody wants to eat corn for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Although I guess I I heard something the other day that, um, you know how you do that like isotope analysis? Mm-hmm. So you can see like you are what you eat through the isotopes that mm-hmm. your food carries and then it comes into you. Um, there's so much corn <laughs> in everything we eat that... We have, like, an isotope signature similar to corn. <laughs> well, because a lot of livestock is fed corn. Right. So, like, almost all the meat you eat, if you don't get, like, grass-fed meat, like, it's, mm-hmm. it's only eaten corn. <laughs> I just thought that was very funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Here, here I thought I was, I don't know, ranch dressing, but <laughs> I'm corn. <laughs> I bet ranch dressing has corn in it. Probably. Probably has corn The cow syrup. that made the cream. Yeah. It probably has corn syrup, though, too. Probably the high fructose kind. Mm-hmm. Um, should we leave on, like, a note of, like, how people can do something about all this? Yeah. Do you have something or do you want to make it up? I, I don't have anything specific, but I did want to end on something. Um, I think this shows how important it is to know who you're voting for and what they stand mm-hmm. for um, and understand that everything is connected and yes, in the short term, development might look like a good thing. It might look like we are kind of moving forward, but you also have to think about how that development is affecting everything that happens with your water and your air quality and things like that. And what, what, if there are any alternatives to that? Um, Yeah. yeah. I think that we have the technology to do a lot of things more sustainably these days, but for some reason we're not. Mm -hmm. And that has everything to do with who's putting the money in their pockets to keep it the way we are. Mm -hmm. Um, and a butterfly has oh. no money, so. Right. But <laughs> yeah. it has intrinsic value and the value of pollination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a small mm-hmm. beetle might not look like it has any intrinsic value to people. Um, but It does to me. It does to <laughs> other people. And it, it also has, like, just value because it's protecting that space. And it may be, I don't know why why do we need that space is it that important and is it like what are we what don't we know about that beetle (laughs) like what is it doing that we don't know about right and something maybe more active you can do to help if that's your jam you could always volunteer with a local park to help restore a habitat Mm -hmm. um or just clean it up Mm-hmm. Pick up your trash. Um, you can maybe there's a local university. They're looking for citizen scientists to help them with research. Mm-hmm. You could always do that. If you have, we are not like we know it's really difficult times right now. But if you have the money, 
and you want to spend it on something, you can donate to different groups that are helping to mm-hmm. help these beautiful creatures and our world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not all sad. There is hope. Yeah. Right. I mean, you could always do something to help. And I, I don't know. I don't know if this is a thing everywhere, but I know that there are a lot of volunteer events like with soil and water conservation districts and rotary clubs I learned about recently do a lot of outdoor work. Um, so just look into the opportunities in your area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It might be even as small as like, do you have a little bit of backyard? Like, do you want to mm. plant a tree back there? That could be like... yeah. A really small bit or plant a couple pollinator plants. Yes, we love pollinator plants. Mm-hmm. They're gorgeous. Yeah. Well, I don't have anything else to say to you. <laughs> Me either. So, as always, we will see you maybe soon. <laughs> we love you. Yeah, we're very sorry for the the lack of schedule right now. Mm-hmm. But I think everybody understands things are hard right now. So, mm-hmm. you'll get them when you get them. And you'll like it. Sorry, <laughs> well, that was too okay. aggressive. <laughs> sorry, sorry. All right. We'll see you. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs>